Today's message from God to you comes from our gospel reading, Luke chapter 1. You may be seated. Do you know a Christmas Grinch? Maybe someone who thinks that Christmas music plays on the radio way too soon. Well, not just a Christmas Grinch. How about someone who always seems to be a grouch? We can identify with a Grinch or grouch. We can identify a Grinch or grouch rather easily. Because they will tell you all about their complaints. I complained about something to a friend before, another pastor. I don't even remember what the complaint was. But his question for me stuck with me. Are you complaining or are you bragging? That got me to thinking. How is it that we know that someone is miserable? Because they will tell you about their many problems. They boast, they brag of their bad luck. People that wallow in their misery seem to take the happiness right out of you. They will dampen your spirit. There's plenty of different names for these people out there. Pessimists, whiners, doomsdayers, grumblers, a stick in the mud, a bellyacher, a wet blanket. But let's be fair. We don't know everything that has happened to them. We don't know how someone like this has been sinned against. We don't know how their heart has been broken in the past. And we, we cannot judge their sins, even though their misery may be creeping into you. But to be even more fair, it's just like us, isn't it? Sometimes we are the whiners, the grumblers, the grouches. Sometimes we are a stick in the mud. But no one knows what has happened to you either. No one knows the destruction that another person has done to you. Your heart's been broken. You've had bad times. And you do not even know the list of your own sins, let alone somebody else's. But you're different, you think. You're not a Grinch and you're not a Grouch. You, you, you respond just by pushing through. Keep yourself busy. Force the Christmas music into your ears. Paint on a smile. Well, sooner or later, you will spill your complaints onto someone you trust. Or you keep it all inside and you try to manage it. All of these bad things that seem to happen to you more than anyone, especially when you see other people in their quality of life. Look at the neighbor and his blessings, the great life he has. Look at her and her fantastic relationship with her husband. Look at that couple a few pews over. They seem to have it all together. Look at those kids. Why can't my kids behave like those kids? Look at Mary and all her blessings. The very Spirit of God was given to her. And the Christ child blessed her, body and soul. 
but not you. Whether you like to vent on someone once in a while or whether you like to contain the pain within, woe is you. But we must bear our cross, right? Since everyone else has all the luck, everyone else gets all the blessings, you don't get to have what other people have in their relationships with their family. Woe to you who has few friends. Woe to you who has no friends. You've been sinned against many times, and your own sins are many. Truly, I say to you this warning today, for the one who believes at any given time, woe is me. Woe is me is a self-inflicted wound. Woe is me is actually a faith problem. The problem, not what you might expect, but it is spelled out in our gospel today. No, there's not a lot of woes going on for Elizabeth, John, and Mary, and Jesus. None of them seem grouchy. But there sure is a magnitude of the visitation of the Holy Spirit in there. You forgot the showering of grace in your baptism when you think, woe is me. You've downplayed the importance of baptism as a little ceremony done up here with some water many, many years ago. You do not praise God because you do not think he does great things for you. Or you only praise God when you feel blessed. Baptism is a big deal. Was his grace for you not sufficient? The very heavens showered down upon you from above. On you, righteousness rained down and soaked you to the bone. When you were baptized, the very earth opened, and the power of the Holy Spirit and eternal life and the promise of the words of Jesus Christ were given to you freely. In your very personal holy baptism, the Holy Spirit entered you. Just as it happened when Elizabeth heard the meeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, then an infant in the womb, could not contain the utter joy. He had been showered upon by the grace of God. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, had also been showered upon by the grace of God. Righteousness and salvation had come to Elizabeth and John. The drenching of God's grace came into their house. Salvation came to where they were, in their town, in their life. Righteousness made its way into the hill country to save you. Elizabeth and John, they were truly, truly blessed by the visitation of God. And you, also, in your baptism, are truly blessed. Well, imagine then the, the blessings of Mary. The very Lord Jesus Christ was in her womb, and she proclaimed in her Magnificat the details of the showering of grace upon her. 
Mary details the works of God. God who breaks spiritual pride. God who puts down the high and mighty and lifts the lowly. He fills the hungry and those who amass riches are sent away empty. But Mary, blessed with the Christ child, exclaims the greatest grace of God. The greatest work of God is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. In this, God remembers his mercy for you. Just as he promised to our fathers, just as he promised to Abraham, just as he promised to his offspring into many generations, just as he promised you in your baptism, just as Elizabeth and John had God come and visit them one day with a purpose, Mary also had the Holy Spirit come upon her with a purpose. And the power of the Most High overshadowed her, and the Son of God entered at once. Just like you and your holy baptism. You see, the, the blessings of Elizabeth and of John and of Mary are your blessings too. The power of the great works of the grace of God has showered upon us all. Christ is in us. Mary and Jesus in the womb were physically and spiritually united. You and Jesus Christ are also physically and spiritually united. In your baptism, your old self died with Christ on the cross. Jesus showers his grace on you in the ways of forgiveness, eternal life, victory over Satan, and resurrection from the dead. These countless gifts of grace from God were given to Elizabeth that day, and to John, and to Mary. Yours are the same. Your Holy Spirit is the same. In everything that your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has won in victorious death and resurrection is yours too. The grace of God is sufficient. It's more than sufficient. It's overflowing. It showers upon us. In the gospel of salvation promised to you in his words at your baptism, all your sins are forgiven. For the Christian who may have minimized the importance of their baptism, Jesus has maximized it. Jesus showers upon you his word, reminding you of it. You are blessed because you, like Mary, believe that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to you by the Lord. Mary, though, in the realization of her blessedness, did not complain. There was no boasting of woes, but she did boast in the Lord and everything that had been done for her. The overflowing, the overflowing showering of grace that was done for her has also been done for you. And Mary then begins to sing. And Elizabeth and John begin to hear the fruit that Mary's womb bears. And you shall hear it too, for Mary's song of praise is also your song of baptismal praise. 
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Mary's Advent season was about nine months. Our Advent season, just a few short weeks. Mary may have went home, but the Holy Spirit that visited the house of Zechariah that day remained. Did not John grow up to be a preacher? Did he not go on to preach a baptism of repentance? God did not forsake them after that three-month visit. God continued to accompany them. Nor has God forsaken you. And he continues to shower on you his grace and accompany you. We can learn much from what the Holy Spirit proclaimed through Mary. Mary of low, humble estate. She didn't have much, yet she rejoiced. Mary saw things low and humble. Mary discovered things of low estate and gladly associated with them. Mary rejoiced in the things that she cannot do. Mary rejoiced in what, in what was done for her. Mary rejoiced in the mercy that had been promised to her. Mary's soul rejoiced with her family. Her family, Elizabeth and John, in Advent season. All because the Holy Spirit had been promised to her. Now you cannot wait to rejoice in Christmas celebrations with your family as well. For the Holy Spirit has been promised to you too. How then does the Holy Spirit, given to us in our baptism, cause such soulful celebration? The Holy Spirit laid its hold on Mary by faith in what God had told her. The Holy Spirit lays its hold on you by faith in what God has told you. These things lay its hold on you in the Word, in the Lord's Supper, and your baptism. You cannot comprehend how this works. Mary did not see or feel the Holy Spirit in faith laying hold on her in God's Word, but she trusted in that. Mary did not sing this song of praise just for herself or her family but for us all, for us all to sing it after her. For Mary's Magnificat is your Magnificat.
In the name of Jesus, amen.